There then follows an interchange between Manoah and the angel, with Manoah not getting much change from his questions, and which make it apparent that he doesn't really know who he's talking to. This culminating with him saying, what is your name? To which the reply is, it is beyond understanding. Which, as the marginal reading indicates, can also be translated as wonderful. What did the angel of the Lord, and by extension the Lord himself, mean by ascertaining that his name is wonderful? The use of the word in Psalm 139 and verse 6 points us in the right direction. There, overwhelmed by God's nature, the psalmist responds, Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. This is beyond me, says the psalmist. I can't take it all in. Here in Judges, the Lord God is saying to Manoah, My character, my nature is just too much for you to take in. There is a mystery, a depth, a holy otherness to God that we can never plumb the depth of. This does not mean that we cannot know God. It does mean that we cannot know him fully. He's given us sufficient, but not complete knowledge of himself. There are limits imposed. The Lord God is creator. We are creatures. And that should produce humility in us. A proper perspective on the reality of our relationship. A proper perspective of who it is we come before in worship. The Lord God. The one who arouses fear. Manoah brings his sacrifice with its grain offering and offers it to the Lord God. And then the Lord God does something amazing. And the angel of the Lord ascends in the flame and disappears from sight. In verses 19 and 20, the writer twice affirms that Manoah and his wife were there watching as this happened. This was a real observable event. And in response, they fell with their faces to the ground. They fell in fear of their lives. We are doomed to die, cried Manoah. We have seen God. Manoah was merely repeating the truth of Scripture. In Exodus 33 and verse 20, God says to Moses, You cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Being too close to God, like being too close to a high-voltage electric cable, is dangerous. It can be fatal. Manoah apparently felt that they had seen too much, had been too close. In thinking they would die, Manoah got it wrong. But his gut instinct regarding the Lord God was spot on. How could the presence of someone so powerful 
not be dangerous. At the transfiguration of Christ, as his blazing glory was revealed, the disciples were afraid. Luke 9 and verse 34 tells us so. They knew fear. In The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis, Mr. Beaver, in speaking of Aslan, the lion who represents Christ, says, Who said anything about safe? Course, of course he isn't safe, but he is good. Our God is not a safe God. Time after time, the Bible demonstrates that. He is not safe, but he is good. That is the other side of the coin represented by the declaration of Manoah's wife. If the Lord God had meant to kill us, he would not have accepted a burnt offering from our hands, nor shown us all these things, or now told us this. Surely, she reasons, the Lord God does not desire to consume us, but to preserve us. Manoah, had the reverence, but not the assurance. The fear of the Lord, but not the joy of the Lord. In our worship, we need a properly balanced response to the presence of the Lord God. A faithful tension. Rejoice with trembling, says verse 8 of Psalm 2. We have to have a proper balance between the fear of the Lord and the joy of the Lord. Is that balance apparent in our worship? The awareness that the Lord God is holy. The assurance that the Lord God is good. Judges 13 teaches us that when God reveals his awe-inspiring, fearful holiness and majesty, it is not in order to destroy, but to assure, of, assure us of his power, and with that, his will to save, because he is good. And the cross on which Christ sacrificed himself for us, is the ultimate demonstration of that goodness. The person that the Lord God is. In the midst of times such as this, in the midst of a long descent, a sad decline, a safe God, a tame God, a God made in our own image is not going to be up to the job. But that is not the kind of God Judges 13 reveals to us. Be encouraged by that. Be challenged by that. Be encouraged and challenged by the person the Lord God is. The one who hears prayer. The one who is too wonderful for us. The one who arouses fear 
but who is good and desires our good. And that he is settled in that. That is his plan. We turn in closing to the pattern the Lord God follows. The latter part of verses 24 and 25 contain all we know of Samson's childhood. The majority of Judges 13 is Samson's nativity story, concentrating on the circumstances of his birth. Chapter 14 opens with a grown Samson striding off to find a wife. There are only these two terse verses relating in any way to his childhood. Plainly, the writer is not interested in giving us a full biography, or he wouldn't have omitted all the details of Samson's childhood. Just as plainly, he thinks the story of Samson's birth is very important, or wouldn't have devoted so much attention to it. Three times in the chapter, instructions concerning Samson being a Nazarite of God are repeated. And in the Bible, repetition reflects importance. Interestingly, the story of Jesus follows the same pattern. Both Matthew and Luke devote much space to Jesus' roots, birth and infancy. And of course, to his public ministry. But accepting the story of Jesus in the temple recorded in Luke 2, we have nothing about his childhood. Why this same pattern in Judges 13? Why does the writer single out Samson's nativity and make such a song and dance about it? Because he wants to show us that in this case, the Lord God did not raise up a deliverer who was already available. That is the pattern in the rest of Judges, which often resembles divine crisis management as folks like Ehud, Othniel and Gideon are brought onto the scene. Judges 13 is different. Here, a deliverer is grown from scratch, from birth, part of a plan that the Lord God had in view far in advance. And that is the normal pattern of things in Scripture. God's plan of salvation is not an ad hoc affair. Thought up due to the pressure of circumstances, it is settled, long settled. Our great deliverer, Greater than Samson, greater than anyone, our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, was, in the words of 1 Peter 1 and 20, chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Before, in the beginning, this plan of salvation was in place. For your sake, for my sake, for you and I, in our fallenness. From the Garden of Eden, the Bible charts a long descent, a sad decline, as humanity following Adam turned away from God and fell from the perfection of Eden, plumbing the depths of those who do as they see fit, those who do their own thing. Those who have self at the centre rather than God. Those separated from God by sin. Those in the place of death. 
the place the Lord God begins. God in Jesus Christ. The God who plumbs the depths of our fallenness, takes it upon himself. The God who plumbs the depths on our behalf. The Lord God who, to paraphrase a praise song, came down to find us, lead us out of death. Our shame was deeper than the sea. His grace was deeper still. We cannot fall deeper than the grace of God in Jesus Christ. There is no descent long enough, no decline sad enough to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. He is the God who brings life from the dead. In the midst of a long descent, a sad decline, a time in which we look ahead and wonder, what does the future hold for God's people in this place? In a time like this, this is what we hold on to. Neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord, the Lord God who brings life from the dead. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, as we come to you, we pause. And remember who you are. The God of all creation. Maker of the universe. And so we come. Amazed. That we can do so. Amazed at your grace towards us in Jesus Christ. And asking Lord. That we would never lose that sense. Of wonder that sense of awe that we, frail human beings, marred by sin, can know the grace of God in Jesus Christ. And this we ask in his precious name. Amen.